BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey there, dudes and dudettes. Time to wax up your boards and go catch the big wave over at the LPN Beach, beach blanket, beach, blanket beach, bingo. Bingo, bingo, one night only at the Balboa Theater in San Diego, October 20th. Come and check out all of the cool cats and the crazy dogs at LPN. Every show in the entire network, each one pulsating and grinding in front of you for your entertainment pleasure. We're all going to catch the big kahuna. And I'm talking about that big greasy guy. I'm talking about a wave. Ew, it's seaweed. It's seaweed. Just so you know, it's going to be inside of a theater. So any physical wetness you experience is your own personal body heat or the sweat of one of the performers. Come and check it out. I'm certain if there's a podcast flavor you need on your tongue, we got the spoon for it. Beach blanket bingo, baby. Come on, girls, let's dance! Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Henry Zabrowski. Oh, yeah. Today's guest, we are honored to have him. He is a 74-time winner in a row. It's called a streak, folks, on Jeopardy. He is also the author of a new book, 100 Places to See After You Die. Ken Jennings is with us. Ken, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. Dude. Yes, indeed. Can't believe Please. you're here. Can't believe you're here. You're too smart to be here. Um, <laughs> this is great. Honestly, uh, you'll see immediately. You'll be you'll immediately be like, why did I do this? Yeah. Why did I take time out of it? Because you're in the middle of a tournament right now, right? Yeah, the Je- the Jeopardy Masters tournament is over. Um, but Jeopardy continues through July and I'm on a book tour now. Many people warned me not to do this show. Ken, you're too smart for this, they said. But yep. I am a big fan and I'm delighted to be here. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. So my first question is, because the rise of the machines, I'm not really a fan of these robots. He's immediately, I, this is, a, I'm I got to talk sorry. to you about this goddamn schmuck, IBM Watson. So he beats you and he cheated, of course, because he's got all the numbers. He's got all the Google. Um, what do you want to do to IBM Watson? Should we take it out in the field, office base it, baseball bats, golf clubs, destroy this absolute disgusting devil box? What are your thoughts on Watson? Just let me know. Cut a promo. I felt very obsolete back in 2011 when I lost to Watson. I felt like uh, this was the beginning of the information of the machines coming for these information economy jobs, knowing stuff, learning stuff, writing stuff. It was all about to go. 
And then for a decade, it didn't happen. And I thought, oh, it's just me. I'm the only one who was put out of work. Jeopardy champions are out of work. <laughs> but now but now in the chat GPT area, it looks like the machines are back. Watson was like, Watson was the first Terminator where it's just one guy. But now mm-hmm. there's an army of Terminators coming for us. Yeah, new liquid lady Terminators. It's going to get very, very intense. Yeah, that was the one Exciting. thing they could have given. Uh, they could have given Watson like a mustache or something, as mm-hmm. opposed to you just like looking like you're losing to a shitty Tesla. I just it must have been infuriating all of the work that you put in, and then all of a sudden this goddamn glorified Rubik's cube comes out of nowhere, and everyone's talking about it like it has feelings. It didn't know it won. It didn't care. It was just a, it was a big black rectangle on TV. Do you know why? It was a flat screen TV turned on its side. That's all, Watson, <laughs> that's all Watson's face was. And then it had a, it had a mechanical thumb and that was really its advantage. It could buzz faster than, than any human. So the robots don't know more than we do yet, oh. but they're much better at pressing a, a Jeopardy button. Okay. Makes me feel better. Would you say that was like the key because I, how do you prepare for that? Like, because I, I, I kind of want to know, is that an extension for how you prepared to be a Jeopardy contestant? Like, were, were you, did you prep to be like, a, yeah, a, do you this, like thumb, was this do a you goal? Do thumb training? Yeah, like, and then yeah. how, like, how does that translate to then fighting the same? Like you go against meat people, which is one thing, but then you have to go <laughs> against the flat screen. Like, how does it change your preparation? Yeah, I do a lot of thumb yoga. Um, Good. You know, w- mm. watching the show is the best prep because you really do want to get into the rhythm of, okay, here's how fast the host reads the clues and here's when I buzz. Because the buzzer set up such that if you buzz early, you actually lock yourself out for a minute. Oh. So when you see people on Jeopardy flailing away, those are not people who buzz too late. They buzzed too early and locked themselves out. Um, so the, a lot of the prep is just watching the show and getting into that rhythm. And of course, you know, we're in the money ball era of Jeopardy where players will you know build simulators at home and spend hours drilling themselves on vice presidents and state birds and all the rest Um, there is a lot of jeopardy training that happens now it's like a a rocky montage in a bunch of of nerds basements i love that when you're facing the like when you're facing a computer was at that point i know it was like kind of like it was a fun thing it was kind of like an exercise on jeopardy but when you were like, do you feel like genuine resentment or like that you go against this machine? Like, would you know, like, is it like, what's it like you're a jobber in the WWE where you have to go lose to the rock or do you, or were you like, no, I'm going to go beat this machine. I thought we had a chance. I thought we had a real chance. And there were yeah. warm up games where, where Brad and I, the two human players, we actually beat the robot. But, um, in the actual game, it got a good spread of categories. Um, the things that humans would have been good at kind of high concept problem solving, and very short clues where the computer takes a minute to, to, to chug along. And if, if the clue is short, maybe the human can get in there first. Mm. They're just warned enough of those. And, uh, and so it was lights out for the human race. I'm sorry I let everybody down. Seven well, billion no, people. No, you didn't. It just was the first one. It you was didn't. just the first true loss. That's yeah, fine. You, you didn't let us down, <laughs> Ken. The fix was in. We all saw what happened in clear, plain sight. Obviously, Trebek had it out for you. So when it comes to you now host, so you're the star, 74 straight wins. What a ride. You made Jeopardy cool. Jeopardy's been around for a long time. It always has ebbs and flows. I will do some pushback on just that. Alex Trebek did make it cool, but you're continuing it. But the run that Ken had, I mean, you remember 04, everyone, all of a sudden, everyone's like, yo, Jeopardy, this guy's on a run. People started watching 30 wins in, 40 wins in, you get all the way up to 74 wins. That must have been an absolute shock. I don't know you personally, 
But uh, a lot of times people who are intellectual can also be introvert. And then all of a sudden you are literally on the cover of magazines as the world's smartest man. How do you make a mistake after that? Can you like fuck up your Starbucks order without everyone being like, I guess it's all a show. Turns out it's a fraud. Every single time I walk up to a door and I pull instead of push, yes. I, I look around. Like, is anybody observing? <laughs> is anybody seeing what it's just a lot, happened here? It's a lot of pressure to be the smartest man in America. People often do come up to me with trivia questions they want to stump me with. And what I discovered is the play there is to try to get it wrong because it's easier for me. It's more satisfying for them. Really, everybody wins. So I'm, I'm mm. fine being a punching bag for all these young gunslingers. Yeah, that's what you got to do because they're all training up on you. And now, but now you're in charge. Like, do you yes. do you feel that we like now that you're like hosting Jeopardy? Like, like does that like what kind of pressure is that like at, on yourself? Like, do you feel like yeah. you can go back and win now? Like, do the same? No, I'm way too old. Like, I was still in my 20s when I was first on the show, which meant yeah. I had the young, plastic, sexy brain of a 29 year old. And sure. now I forget things and I I remember names slower and it's all. It's all starting to go, you guys. Is that uh, right? Yeah. So that's interesting. It's actually like an athletic uh, venture. There's yeah. a certain time. There's a certain peak time frame for a Jeopardy contestant. I mean, we all start to forget things, but maybe I just notice it sooner. The way, yeah, like the, like you say, the way a running back notices his knees and his hips aren't what they were. Yeah. Before a normal person like you or I would, you know, because because that's their that's their uh, that's their meal ticket. And so I'm the same way. Like I. The last time I played Jeopardy on the GOAT tournament, I, I got lucky and I beat James Holtzauer. But I was yeah. like, I am. I'm like Danny Glover in Lethal Weapon. You know, I'm getting way <laughs> too old for this. I'm, I'm very happy to be hosting and retired now. That's awesome. And then with your insight in playing, have you ever seen a contestant and you're just like, buddy, how did you get on the show? You are like, is it because it's yeah, you who did you have sex with that wasn't me that got you this far? Because literally, it would be like Michael Jordan doing commentary, just eviscerating everyone who isn't as great as he is. Is that a that must be an interesting experience to see the newbies coming in there and sweating it out? I mean, I have so much sympathy for them because you know what they're putting themselves through. Playing Jeopardy is a very intense experience. And, yeah. you know, having seen it on your couch for years, is not really any kind of preparation. It's very intense and surreal to suddenly be there. And I remember that kind of panic. And I do everything I can to settle them down. And, you know, sometimes they have a good game and sometimes they don't. But, you know, I know that I know what they're going through. It's, it's a lot harder than it seems on your couch. I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. Especially because yeah. the camera, the camera's right on you. And then the effect I think that I have a lot of people have of who've not been on camera a lot. Well, then you see yourself on camera afterwards. Oof. I can't. I feel like there's like a doubling up effect. If you make it to the second night and you watch yourself perform on television the night before, yeah. you know that you're you're just like, oh wow, I have a tell. I'm greasy. What's wrong with <laughs> you? Just like thinking about this. There's thing, a you zit know? growing as you're staring at yourself. That's a that's a great point. Did you watch? Did you watch your performances with a nice champagne and a cigar, or were you just scared shitless? <laughs> I mean, luckily, in most cases, your shows are all going to be taped months before they air. You know, we do we do five in a day and then they air two or three months later. Okay. So in most cases, by the time somebody is able to watch their shows, they know, OK, I lost two nights after this. This happened back in June. Um, in my case, I was on long enough that, yeah, my show started to air on TV and I'm still playing. So contestants would show up to Jeopardy and be like, oh, no, it's this guy still. Well, how can it still be this guy? I, nobody was happy to see me. No, that's the best part because they're like, oh, no, there's a fucking killer in here already. Like, I love it. it. Is, it's a lot. 
Um, I'd love to talk to you about your, and you have your podcast, Omnibus. Yes. And yeah. you're also working. I do want to bring up, like, because we are our purveyors of dark history and we're really into dark What do you feel like as a take? Because, like, you kind of going through, like, dark, obscure history. For you, what's, like, a takeaway that you have about learning about history that you would apply to kind of, like, now? I wonder if... I feel like the mistake we always make thinking about now is that we're different. You know, there's something special and unique about our generation and our time that is nothing like anybody else ever went through. That we're, in modernity, we are special little snowflakes. And I think that's the illusion. I think the more Mm -hmm. you read about the weird little back alleys of history, you find out, oh no, people were worried about something like, exactly like my neurosis 500 years ago or 2000 years ago, you know, that the human experience is pretty universal. And maybe mm-hmm. that's reassuring because we got this far. You know, there were a ton of existential threats and we're the ones who made it. And maybe that'll happen again. Maybe our kids are going to be okay because they'll figure it out as well. I realized that when we yeah. covered the Black Plague, we talked about at the time, it's like you, everywhere you go, you realize like the, the modern brain has been like this. Like we've been modern people for a really long time in, in human history. And so a lot of times it's what they're concerned about, like how in the Black Plague, they were still talking about like one of the worst fates that can happen to you is the bards get a hold of your story and they make fun of you for generations. And that was considered a curse, which is like, it's still kind right. of real. Like it's still like the power of what SNL does, what certain things do. We're just making fun of somebody can sometimes destroy everything you know about them. I mean, today on Je- to this day on Jeopardy, people will be like, I just don't want to go viral. Like, that'll be their one dream. I don't care if yeah. I win or not. Please do not, do not let me go viral. And that makes sense. Well, what causes something to go viral? Is it uh, always a mistake? Can't something positive go viral? Not just someone who randomly queefed. Why? It's always, <laughs> it's always like, oh, <laughs> negativity feeds the internet. Where, what was, Sometimes- yes, go on. Sometimes on Jeopardy, something good or funny will happen. And that's what people like. You know, we, we kind of have a gentle property. And so often it is yeah. something surprisingly good. Often, you know, often it'll be somebody doing something dumb. Don't get me wrong. But, if you know, on Jeopardy, you don't expect something funny or dramatic to happen. So good stuff goes viral, too, which is nice. Yeah, that is nice. Live from your grave. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace! With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website, all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. I'm I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously, this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay, because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt. And not only are you going to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale entire series, 
clothes and non-clothes, what we also are going to offer you, and I mean this, we're trying to get into giraffe rides. I brought this up the other day. We got to start riding other animals but horses. Take pictures of the horses. Photoshop the horses into other celebrities, but stop riding them. Save a horse. Ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says right here, what would you do of another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in. Oh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine. That's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer, it's of course, I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and we might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash last pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. And if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Now, I love Babbel, and I love what they're doing for the people of America. But I went on there to find out if I could learn Fremen in order for me to go and harness the desert power that it would take to finally get the raids of the sand planet Arrakis. Uh, but they said they only offer real languages and uh, stuff that can really help people travel. I think that's mostly what Babbel's looking to do. They didn't really, like, I called customer service and I asked me, like, well, how can I possibly harness the power of a million Fremen? And they said, please, sir, stop calling. And I said, but I, I'm doing an ad for you currently while we're on the phone. And Babbel, you know what? God love them. They helped me learn German. And in the end, they, they were right. Because German's a lot more useful. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Mr. Jennings, you're not going to make Jeopardy more extreme, right? You're going to do things where you're going to have, like, pranks and, like, things to, like, shoot out at people. Dude. Or, like, you know, the, the platform's falling out. Like, you're just going to Double dare. Double dare meets Jeopardy. We need slime. 
Yeah, we're going to go back to Fear Factor. If you find the oh, Daily God, Double, you're no. going to have to meet, eat like donkey rectums. And, <laughs> and sadly, Joe Rogan's going to be there. It's not going to be a good scene. Yeah, that is. Remember that? Everyone was just eating cow balls at like 8 p.m. on Saturday. And people are like, this is good old fashioned Christian values. He's almost a billionaire. That's crazy. He doesn't need Jeopardy. No, he, he doesn't need Jeopardy. No, you he should doesn't. bring in. Maybe there's also a possibility to bring in America's dumbest people. That's what I'm sure. Well, they already do celebrity Jeopardy, dumbest celebrity hey, you've ever met. Hey, hey that's, th- th- that's not. No, that's fine. It's we better make- now. It's better now than the Will Ferrell years. Yeah, no, we. Uh, it's celebrity Jeopardy is stuck because you're trying to find famous people who are willing to do a show with no upside at all. Like if they do fine, nobody's going to be like, hey, uh, Patton Oswalt's pretty smart. But if they get one thing wrong, it's like, lol, this guy got Golden Girls confused with Dream Girls. Like, what a dope. Idiot. Yeah, yeah, no an idiot. yeah, for the rest of your life. Yeah, it's horrible. So, yes, let's talk about 100 Places to See After You Die. What was the motivation for writing this book? And as Henry alluded to, it's it a great like, concept. I love this concept. Yes, yeah, so fun. Um, it seems like it's uh, an extension, obviously, of your uh, your intelligence and understanding of history. What was it that you wanted to share with us, the readers, 100 Places to See After You Die? I liked the idea of a travel guide to the afterlife because I've always been super interested. Even as a kid, I was, I loved mythology and, uh, and growing up when I did as a Gen Xer, you guys probably remember this time when it seemed like the Bermuda Triangle and UFOs and who built the pyramids were just going to be the most important things in our life. Do you remember it's that? Literally, it's, it's how we got to this point with last yeah. podcast. I assumed the so. Yeah. It, yes. It was a seed yes. planted into us elder yeah. millennials. It was all time life books making us uh, making us think about these mysteries. And to me, the afterlife was always one of these great mysteries. Like it's just maddening that billions of people have died, and right. they either know or don't what awaits us. And we're here like chumps, just wondering and worrying for eighty years. And and so I love this idea. You know, ghosts, heaven, hell. I love the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, and this book is it's just kind of about the story of of humankind trying to get its mind around what might await us in the in the undiscovered country whether it's yeah. you know all the way from ancient egypt, ancient egypt to dante's inferno up to you know tv shows like the good place we're still worried about it today does that stem for you from an understanding of so much again obviously high high intelligence you understand humanity you're also you have the ability to speak and be charming usually these things don't go hand in hand is it because this is actually something that is difficult to grasp this actually still expands the brain, this idea of, you know, the uh, the second life. Well, it's it's a combination of two things. One, it's the thing we're probably most worried about. The most universal concern is is death, life and death, right? It's It faces us all. And then the second thing is, yeah, it's a mystery. Like, what is it? Like, surely this can't be everything, right? There are, you know, if you look at poll numbers over the years, the number of Americans who are religiously observant goes down every year. Fewer people going to church or synagogue or mosque, fewer people reading their holy books, fewer people praying. But the number of people who believe in the afterlife goes up every year. We're so resistant to this idea that I I won't see my loved ones again, that the thing that makes me, me might just end. I mean, maybe that's the real answer, but it doesn't seem like the most beautiful answer, right? I wonder if in America a lot, especially recently, it feels that a lot of people got to hope, well, maybe it'll be better then. You know what I mean? I'm going to go through all of this horseshit now, but there's going to be, don't worry, there's going to be some place. I'm going to be, all of this will be taken care of 
one day. It's so funny to look at century or millennia of, of human conceptions of heaven because it starts, we have records from like ancient Babylon where they can't really imagine a better life. Like they write about heaven and it's like, the crop blight will be slightly less, you know, or the rainy season will have less sleet and more pleasant drizzle. You know, they, they have very achievable goals in heaven. And it's only later as, you know, we mm. move from hunter gatherers to a more prosperous people that people start to imagine, hey, what if there's amazing banquets? What if we all get gold and jewels? What if there's harems of, of attractive young mates? You know, that's when the imaginations start to right. ramp up. Um, it's so, so interesting. It is wish fulfillment, yeah. Why Why is that? Why do you think the connection to like, because I know everything changed once we stopped being like nomadic, but what was that jump? Like why go from, is it because it's the only time where you can really imagine the concept of having more than you need? Yeah, I guess until there's cities and kings and an actual noble class where you can be like, wow, he's got kind of a nice palace. Oh, he, he wears a fancy hat made of a metal I've never seen. Like until that point, you can't even imagine what a beautiful heaven would be. That's why all the old underworlds are just kind of like dark, shadowy places, kind of like now, but a little less vivid. You know, it, right. it takes a while for the human race to develop the idea of, of reward and punishment. Does that disprove or prove the idea of an afterlife more? The fact that it just sort of changes as people change? I guess that it would, yeah, I mean, right? Because it's all an illusion anyway, even if it's real. Yeah, it definitely shows that we know nothing, that it's a mystery. And uh, as we move away from religious fundamentalism, you know, obviously all the good recent afterlives are pitched by TV showrunners instead of cult leaders, you know? It's a different right. kind of cult. So <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, the after, you know, the afterlives on movies and TV shows are very inventive now and, and delightful. You know, there's, I remember watching The Leftovers and on that show, the afterlife was kind of like a video game. And yeah. I thought, you know, this never would have occurred to Dante or Virgil, you know, yeah. uh, like we have all these cool options today of, of what we imagine the other world could be. But of course, as you say, we're just, we're just making it up. We're whistling in the dark. Well, I can see us heading yeah. towards a, uh, a Wally style world where if we are living into our, if we can make our meat live to 150, 175, but people don't got that money to live mm. that life anymore. I can end up seeing extended living afterlives where we are put in stasis, where essentially we are like they do in anesthesia, or whatever they bring you down to zero. And then you're in a helmet for forever. Like maybe that's kind of what the Bardo will eventually be. Yeah. Philip K. Dick thought so. He thought the Tibetan Bardo was going to be reached in cold freeze chambers. A yes. lot of these modern. Yes. But the ones that could actually happen, I think, are uh, like, what if our brain becomes uploadable? You know, you're making fun of Watson yeah. and Chat GPT, but like, right. there could be a human afterlife in a server somewhere. You know, if uh, if at the moment of our death we can the poetic justice, like, we can actually choose our heaven. Man, you downloading your brain into a computer, coming yeah. back to kick the shit out of kids in jeopardy in 2100. The Ken Jennings be- 1000. <laughs> I love that it. That would be the and dream. Yeah. We're going to give you a huge wad, buddy. We're not going to let that just be a normal screen. We're going to show the people how smart you are from below the waist down. Um, <laughs> huge dick. Before- I want to be like a hologram. I want to be like hologram Tupac playing Jeopardy. Oh, absolutely. Well, when God, I think of Ken awesome. Jennings, I often think of Tupac. And so when it comes to, um, <laughs> so we, we've discussed heaven. What about this idea of fucking eternal doom? 
What is that? Yeah. What like when you were doing research on that? Because obviously Henry and I and and Marcus are are tri host. Um, you know we love the dark and the macabre and stuff, yeah. and it's fascinating. You know, playing in the world of you know even Adam Sandler's Little Nicky. It's like fun. Um, what what is like the darkest possible afterlife that you've explored that people have sort of fantasized about? I feel like all these hells. Uh, it probably came about as a means of control, right? You, you know, if you're mm. a religious thinker or leader you really want to impress people with how awful the punishments are going to be and how terrible like and this is what all these descriptions of hell are you're going to be uh, have molten metal poured on you for this many trillion years and then you're going to have to drink your own pus and snot for another <laughs> trillion years and it's very culturally universal like whether you're chinese or or inuit or or, or babylonian whatever like the punishments yeah. are all the same um and it's funny because by the time you get to dante like and Hieronymus Bosch, these paintings and poems, clearly they're more interested in hell than in heaven. You know, they, yeah. to them, that's the vivid, exciting stuff. And, and all their fans want to read. It's like a fantasy novel for the Italian Renaissance. You know, Dante's Inferno came out with maps and illustrations. And, and in a time before Game of Thrones, you would imagine yourself, you know, exploring this crazy nine level fantasy world. Like, even though we're supposed to be scared of hell. We just can't help but be fascinated with it. Yeah. In that in that dissection of hell, like, do you think that they were meant to be taken literally or is it allegorical? Like, was it supposed to be that like you're supposed to was that map created so that you you think that, oh, you actually do go to these places or like of the time period? How do people respond to that work? Were they like or is it just entertaining? I think a lot of them were still fundamentalist and they were like, yeah, I guess mm. if I'm bad. I'm going to be here in the seventh circle with the gluttons or whatever. Um, it's one of those things you, I always wonder, we joke on the, well, we talk about in the show about ancient history and mm -hmm. we always wonder like, what do they actually believe? And what were stories? Like what were right. things that, and, and, and what, and what societies thought was like, legit and what do they think was like oh well this is just supposed to describe things in a general yeah, sense as you were saying ken for control for political reasons and then did they actually have oh, those I, know, I know what i was going to say like if you look at the actual biblical text it's all very vague on heaven and hell you know that there, there is a lake of fire but it does seem like it might be a vision or an allegory it's only later where you have these very literal pastors who are really trying to put the fear of god into kids right where they say oh yeah you don't want those coals burning you for, for thousands of years, right? So you better straighten up. And that's, you know, it's not limited to Christianity. Lots of traditions have those, those very visceral threats. Right from your grave. Shopping for humans is hard, but shopping for your dog is easy, thanks to Bark. Because dog can't give you its opinion. But every month we deliver dogs and treats just for your pup because they deserve to be spoiled. And then the dog shows you what they like. It's incredible. Only I could teach Wendy to use an iPad. She's so resistant. She scratches it up, she barks at it, barks at me. But if she could use it, she'd order BarkBox for herself. At Bark, we send your dog a whole new collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. And for a limited time, we'll double your first box for free. How about that? Wendy loves her little toys. Carmi has become quite a terrorist when it comes to her toys. And she's a murderer. She rips these things up. But, you know, we got some high-quality Tough toys from BarkBox, and she absolutely loves them. And our family could not be happier. <laughs> and if you just want a slice of this joy, you got to go to BarkBox. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash left. That's right. You can sign up now at BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T for this exclusive offer. 
This ad is now over. Let's go back to petting our dogs. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. Yeah. Very key. You gotta communicate clearly. All these emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. It's like you're Captain Kirk and Grammarly is Data. And you're kissing a lady on another planet. And Data is just trying to make sure you write better. Better writing means a stronger impact. And Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. And by understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. It did begin to understand when I was yelling and when I was doing bits versus me, because I do use Grammarly, but it's nice. But I will also say Grammarly does will do the thing where it's like, um, I think maybe you missed a little comma, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, I know. Thank you, Grammarly. Like, thank I get it. Yes. But still, like, maybe we could just think about what I'm going through today. Right. But Grammarly really does help. Because that's what we all need. A stern teacher with glasses and uh, little buckled shoes. That's Grammarly to me. That's what I see. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Getting engaged is special for so many reasons. Planning the perfect proposal. Oh, I want to do it at the Hindenburg. (laughs) I want to do it at the Hindenburg Memorial. Celebrating your love and looking forward to the rest of your lives. And if you're lucky, it's short. The only part that's not so special, shopping for an engagement ring, if you don't know what you're doing. That's where BlueNile.com comes in. Especially if you don't feel like talking to your mother. BlueNile.com is the original online jeweler. Since 1999, they've helped millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring with little or no feedback from their mother. With Blue Nile, you can create a brilliant piece at a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Why use anything traditional? Blue Nile also offers a diamond price guarantee, which means that they can usually meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. And I sent you to Steven, my guy, but you still refuse and you decide to go with your Blue Nile little thing because, oh, it's got 100% satisfaction guarantee with guaranteed free shipping and returns. And sometimes Steven doesn't answer your calls. And sometimes Steven loses the rings. But that's where you don't understand. Because Steven was there for me when your father wasn't. And honestly, so now is Blue Nile. Because every time I call, they pick up with the 24-7 customer support. And they hear all about my hands hurting and how I've got, they have to reverse my feet at the doctor. They, they said, and they, but eventually they said it's temporary. They're going to put it back forward. But oh, thank you, Blue Nile, for not picking up, even though I texted my son. Right now, you can get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's $50 off with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So what would you say your perfect afterlife would be? Because everyone's heaven or hell would be different. I think my 
some people's heaven would probably just be left alone playing with guard. I would go crazy and be like, no one's laughing at my jokes. I feel very, but then, you know, so I want like a crowd of people and we're having a great time or we're getting hammered. Someone might be absolutely weeping in the corner at that idea of heaven. What is your idea? What would be your Ken Jennings uploaded into a computer? So you're still with us destroying the robots from within, but your spectral realm, your spirit world, where is it? You know, there's a hundred different afterlives in the book. And honestly, the one that has always appealed to me the most is the one in Field of Dreams, just kind of a soothing afternoon of old-timey baseball in a cornfield. That seems like a very good vibe. But if I could pick anything, like including an afterlife of my own invention, I think what I would want, and this is, I guess, pretty on brand for Jeopardy, is I would want answers. Like I would want the version of the afterlife where you can say, hey, uh, you know, God, what really happened to the dinosaurs? Was it a comet or... Or what? And what happened to, like, who was Jack the Ripper? What was the deal with that? Like, yeah. how did the pyramids get built? You finally get the answers to all your questions. Like, God is a librarian. I think I would enjoy that. I do love that idea. But then isn't that, but then would that become boring? No more mystery. No more mystery. But I suppose there's always mystery. But what is satisfaction then, Ken? What is satisfaction? What happens after? Right. This is the hard part of describing heaven is there's no narrative arc. They can just say, well, it's so good, you can't imagine it. And it's that forever. And I think there are a lot of modern afterlives where they're like, well, forever? That seems kind of scary, actually. There are, there are whole TV shows and, and talking head songs about how if heaven did last forever, that might actually be kind of uh, mind-blowingly terrible. I did a show called Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell and the pilot of it featured heaven was like a place where it was nothing but like babes and pizza trees, right? Mm, so people eating the pizza yeah. trees. It was written by David Willis who did uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force and he literally was like, they were like, I'm sick of pizza. Like that was like the central joke is that at the end of it, you're like, well, you have as much pizza as you want. And you're like, I am sick of pizza. I think that was the great innovation of the TV show, The Good Place. Like hell is not hot irons being placed on your skin. It's just the endless banality of this life. Too many Pirates of the Caribbean movies, too many right. frozen yogurt places, too much Axe body spray. You know, that <laughs> it's not just that hell is torture, hell is other people. It's like hell is the little, the little annoyances of this life. Well, Ken, that brings me to a great question. Why Axe body spray so cold? I, uh, I, I put it on because I had my, my, I have my little brother and uh, he's an Axe body spray guy, special needs kind of. And uh, so I was wearing it and it's fucking cold when it comes out of there. Why? Well, you know, I think you may misunderstand what a Jeopardy host does. I, <laughs> I don't explain how body sprays work to random people. That's not part of the job description. I, I would try assume- to explain to him, Mr. Jennings, <laughs> that you're just not an info booth like he we can't just come booth. to you no we can't just come and just ask him random things Why is that we've been wondering about so cold there's no answer okay i know i think it has some highly volatile stuff in it like alcohols you know something that evaporates quickly so when you put something on you that evaporates quickly temperature is lowered by the chemical process like heat is used up and yeah you that's feel pretty cold. exciting answer ken Hey, I'm sorry. Uh, it's, it's not like I'm the one who asked it. I don't, don't want to throw blame here, but uh, anyway. So let's. I have. I mean, honestly, can we talk about Alex Trebek for a second? Yes. Um, he icons. seemed like. Is he, is he exactly as he appeared? He very much was. I mean, he was more fun. Like, and that's hard to imagine someone less fun than he appeared on Jeopardy. But during commercials, he would tell jokes, go into the crowd. He loved to warm up the crowd himself and that's awesome. do little impressions and. You know, he was a very light, funny guy, but 
you know, he had to keep the show moving because that's the job description. Um, the things you think you know about him, that he's, he's smart, that he actually knew all those answers and wanted you to know that he knew them and, you know, was very well-read and kind of a gentleman of the old school, all 100% true. That's what did great. you discover when you got behind the podium that you were like, oh, shit, this is actually completely a different. I did not know. Like, was there something that you were like, did you get new found respect for Mr. Trebek when you now you're the captain of the ship? Yeah. He made it look so easy for 30 odd years that I think we thought it was yeah easy to host Jeopardy. We'll just put in guest host. You know, Aaron Rodgers can probably do this. And what I found <laughs> out was that it's, it's extremely hard. The game moves so fast. The host is, you know, juggling three or four things at once, trying to, you know, be a referee and a play-by-play guy and a stadium announcer right. uh, and a narrator. You know, you're doing all these things at once. Final Jeopardy is particularly hard because there's so much math involved. You're, you, have a, yeah. you have a little card full of numbers of permutations of what if he gets it wrong, but she gets it right and so forth. And you're trying to create mm. drama out of basically what looks like a Sudoku. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's, it. it's it's still the hardest moment of the show for me. Did he give you any advice? Obviously, I think that he knew that uh, you know you were going to be potentially filling filling the unbelievable void that he left. Uh, did he give you any you know insight into hosting or anything like that? Yeah, I actually ended up talking to him. What turned out to be the night before the day he passed away. Um, oh wow! About wow. about guest hosting for him, and we didn't know. I we thought. Oh, he's going to get better. He's going to bounce back. He'll be hosting again. I was just going to fill in. And, uh, and we talked about the game. And, you know, he gave me the impression he always did over the years, which was that he did not want to be the center of attention on Jeopardy. You know, he was never announced as the star of Jeopardy. He was always yeah. the host of Jeopardy because he right. thought the game itself and the contestants should be the star. And it's just such a, can you imagine yeah. anybody else in Hollywood saying, hey, I'm on one of the biggest shows on TV, but it shouldn't be all about me. You know, it's, it's just th that kind of well, Canadian working class grit would be so foreign to show business. But And it's the respect I, of the game itself, right? I mean, that's what's so cool about Jeopardy. And he he again, he he led the he led the way. He was the head coach, you know, but that respect. He was for absolutely the game, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Did way you, to host it. Like you, you I, I do the same thing. Like this should not be about me. This should be about these three people and the clues. And that's what people want. You're genuinely good at it, man. I'm going to say this. I never oh, yeah. get to do stuff like say directly to people like I love Jeopardy and you're you're doing great. It's it's really, really great. I appreciate that. It's a very hard gig, but I'm slowly figuring it out. Yeah. Have you been overwhelmed when you obviously you've been in the world now for 19 some years um, by the fandom and the support that Jeopardy enthusiasts have? Because, you know, we do a lot of the Comic Cons. We were just a Wonder Con and it's really fascinating. I love people that are that love stuff. What's the fandom like for Jeopardy? The funny thing is Jeopardy was a very early parasocial relationship for people before we even had podcasts or knew what that word meant. Like because people watch Jeopardy every night, they kind of felt like Alex was in their home. You know, it's it's really part of the ritual of people's day in a way that no other show is anymore. You know, like Carson's gone, Cronkite's gone, mm -hmm. but people still remember watching Jeopardy with grandma or you know, oh, watching yeah. it with their friends in the dorms or, you know, it's kind of a ritual for people. And it really is nice because they see you and they feel like they know you, you know, and, and everybody's the most common thing I hear is, can my 90 year old grandma just loves you? <laughs> is it, can you call my grandma? Can you take a picture from my grandma? It's uh, I feel like I have taken pictures for all of America's grandmas at this point. I, I'm doing my part. Yep. And that's the next big scandal. 
Yeah. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. Grandma lover, Ken Jennings, honestly. Ken Jennings. But someone's got to. Someone really has Someone's to. Someone's got to. I, this has been such a privilege for yes, us. Yes, it has. To take your time, sir. I am glad. This is your, your like, all of your current, like, outside of Jeopardy, like, focuses are way in our alley of interest. It's great. It's all, like, very interesting. Omnibus is a really good sleeper podcast. And you feel like what information you get in there is, like, really very interesting. I love the Tartarian Empire. I love that whole concept. It's really, really cool. Like, yeah. all it's, they keep at it, man. I can't wait to see what you do next. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm I'm having a great time. I'm Jeopardy's a great side gig while I do the podcast yeah. and the books and yeah, whatnot. And uh, yeah. I feel very lucky it came into my life. Thank you for having me on. Well, you are just, I mean, honestly, it's been so great to talk with you. You're so funny and wonderful. And again, congratulations on all your success. That's almost impossible. People don't really understand how difficult it is to go from contestant to host because uh, there's a lot of people that want that job that are behind the scenes clamoring for it. And for you to be able to navigate the political sphere of uh, of all of that as well, I'm sure that was that's a whole nother conversation we'll have to have over beers because yeah. I can just imagine. Yeah, I, I was for years I was convinced I would never even get an audition because you would want a broadcaster to do that job. So I I just have to pinch myself at how lucky I am that I it was always my favorite show as a kid, and now now I get to do it all the time. It's it's a real privilege. That's awesome. What you got to do now is go you and Aaron Rodgers need to have some kind of other kind of con competition with each other when you do the combine. Yeah, yeah well, let me put it this way. He is a much better Jeopardy host than I would be Jets quarterback, and it's not even close. <laughs> well, I, uh, you know, was he an asshole? I'm a Packers fan, but was Aaron an asshole? I wasn't there when he was hosting, but I thought he was one of my... My wife said uh, that uh, he was her favorite guest host. And okay. when I drilled down a little... What it turns out is that means he's very handsome. That's I think that's what oh, yeah, she was sure. getting out there. Oh, something yeah, about sure, it. Sure. Something about him. Ken Jennings, everybody. Thank you so much for being on the show, Ken. And uh, everyone, check out the book, A Hundred Places to See After You Die. Listen to the podcast, Omnibus. And, of course, watch Ken host Jeopardy. Thank you so much, Ken. You were wonderful. Dude. That was so much fun. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much, man. Live from your grave. All right, there it was, our conversation with Ken Jennings. We made him dumber. We're going to hang out with him. We are going to hang out with him. I can't wait. because We're going to hang out with him. We're going to get it. You know how we get him? That's what we're saying. He loves grandmas. We get them all out there. <laughs> we we all hang out. We have a nice brunch. Mm. We go out there. We have a couple of mimosas. Sure. We go to an afternoon disco. We're all Grandma asleep by eight. Yep, grandma's mating call. Also, Henry, rubber band. We work with, get some tension. For the thumb, oh. because I think out of all of us, don't tell Marcus, but I actually think you might have what it takes. I think I, Marcus is going to crack. I think he would crack under the. I think his thumb would break, and I, then me, I could maybe get one question right. But I think I'm you pretty got a good. Chance. I can be good. I have a lot of arcane, yeah, trivial bits of information in my mind. But I think Jeopardy has gotten harder since I was a kid. Well, you also I think it's do a harder a good job. game now. You hold on to song lyrics. You have a good retention in the mind. I'm yes. I would be your number one fan out there. I'd be there for you, buddy. I finally they'll be like, finally, look at the oh man, celebrity yeah, Jeopardy, a Polish Jeopardy champion. I think honestly, if it's celebrity Jeopardy, you, the uh, Brendan Shop, um, yep. I could be, I could be Brendan Shop. Yeah, I could be Brendan Shop. I could be uh, a whole series of other people. And you know. yeah, yeah, me comedian brand. Honestly, yeah. would be pretty sweet. You got it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. 
Check out again Ken Jennings' book, 100 Places to See After You Die. I can't wait. Honestly, I can't. I Honestly, when I found out that he had a Dark History podcast, I was all about it. It's pretty fucking great. I want to go to the afterlife right now. Okay, everyone, hail yourselves. <laughs> he doesn't want to die. Thank you for your money. Hail I want to go to the afterlife. I want to live forever. Yeah, I want to go to that. Yeah, I'd love to go to the afterlife as long as I can come back. Can you imagine if it, if we did know like the mass suicide that would happen if people did know there was an afterlife? Oh, They'd yeah, sure, sure. Like, sure. But that's what, they, that's what I've always saying. It's like if the Pope thinks that heaven's so great, why is he still alive? Right. Oh, he's dying, by the way. Did you see? Oh, I know. He's sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll We're talk good. about him. Another one down. All right. Hail yourselves. Bye. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people.